Hello, welcome to another episode of Allies of Convenience, the international competitive Warhammer 40,000 podcast. I am your sometime host, Logan, and this episode uh, is dedicated to Ebdeticon. We have our own Matt Robertson, who was in attendance. Uh, he is talking to Nick Nanavati, a.k.a. Nick Brown of Brown's Magic. Uh, they are talking to each other because they were on the same team at Adepticon. Um, they're going to be basically going into their uh, perspective of uh, Adepticon as a very competitive player, but also as very competitive drinkers uh, and socialisers as well. So they got really into the uh, into the details of what it's like going to an Adepticon, uh, what you can expect there, what the experience is like, and of course, a uh, big insight into all of their games. So hopefully you enjoy that. Of course, Nick will be talking about his Brown Magic service as well, uh, which is his service in which he uh, gives advice and tips, uh, which uh, both of these guys were doing uh, at Adepticon, uh, offering classes. Um, but you can find more about that on the podcast. Don't forget, uh, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash AOC podcast. Or you can just search for Allies of Convenience podcast. And on Twitter, it is at Allies podcast. Thank you very much to everyone that's been subscribing, leaving reviews, liking, commenting on the page and all that good stuff. Uh, we will be bringing you a lot more content after the FAQ drops. We were going to look at some uh, Codex reviews, but to be honest with you, uh, this all singing, all dancing, all changing FAQ is going to be so important that uh, I feel like in terms of competitive meta and rather than giving you clickbaity reviews, we're going to be uh, diving into a lot of content, looking at how Codex have changed and uh, some of the new Codexes as well, uh, specifically the Drakari book uh, and of course the Tau book uh, need to get looked at and how they fare in the new FAQ. How's it going to change? What precursors and signs were dropped in these books uh, to change the way the game's played? Lots of rumours about rules of three and limits and that sort of stuff, so we'll find out what comes to pass. But that is all for the future. This episode is dedicated to Adepticon, so please enjoy. Matt, it's over to you. Hi guys, Matt here, back for another episode. This week I'm going to cover Adepticon, which I've recently got back from, and thanks to everyone for following along with the updates I was posting. Uh, I'm joined this week again by Nick Nanavati. Hey guys, how are you doing? So... For those who don't know, uh, which I'm sure most of you do, Nick is now running his own special blog kind of thing. Yeah, it's called the the Brown Magic. It's basically uh, a premier 40k, I guess, coaching, consulting blog website type thing. Um, I don't really know how you classify it, but if you want high quality, like real competitive tactics and strategies and things like that, that like real tournament players use, not just like guys on post on youtube claim to use um that's the place for it so that's the shameless plug out the way uh, <laughs> uh so yeah we're going to cover adepticon which was about two weeks ago now almost yeah about two weeks yeah it's just been a bit of a head fuck last week after flying back from it and trying to recover because my body died oh that's terrible i had no idea uh, Wait, yeah. you, you see your body? Yeah, well, we had I heard a... buddy. I thought you were like your friend died. I was like, that's dark. Oh no, no, my body died. I just okay, cra- yeah, I that, that's out for a know. weekend. Yeah, that's how that goes. That's that's cut. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> as most people 
there's a load of updates and bits and pieces on the Facebook page if people want to see that. But uh, going into it, I had no clue what I was getting into. I knew yeah, it it's one quite day, the experience. <laughs> I knew it was a big con. There was loads of stuff on. Not like a con as in ripping someone off, but as in loads of different things to see and do. I didn't look into what, really. I knew there was a big one-day 40k event, two-day if you make top 16, which was kind of hopeful going in. It's like, if I make it, great. If not, I can use Friday to go and see Chicago, which is about 40 minutes away. Yeah, give or take, 30, 40 minutes. And then the, the main event was the team event, which was 130 teams of four, I think it was, in the end. Yeah, I think so. It was 520 people. Yeah, it, it was bigger than the 40K and Fantasy TCs put together. <laughs> it was... And that was like a third of the size of the hall. It was crazy. So, to give some perspective, for people who've been to what's near to me, the Echo Arena in Liverpool, which is a decent-sized event place in the UK, that's about 8,000 square foot inside. The main hall at Adepticon was 9,000. Sorry, square metres, not feet. Yeah. So, yeah, the whole size of the thing kind of blew me back a little bit mm -hmm. yeah it's probably I think it's the biggest con in the world for 40k for Warhammer I guess in general yeah it's like what got me is as soon as you come out of your hotel room which you had the hotel lobby and all the rooms above it and then the convention centre was kind of down a corridor you just mm -hmm. heard, you heard it as soon as you came out of your room yeah that's true yeah, it took over the entire hotel like there was no one was in that hotel for something besides that convention yeah, you had so many people, like, all the lobby was people playing board games, the bar was all gamers, the restaurant was pretty expensive, so it was pretty empty most of the time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was such a great atmosphere, such a great buzz, I couldn't, like, as a, an event as a whole, I couldn't recommend it more to anybody. So out of your three events, Nova, LVO, and Adepticon, which one would you say was your favourite? Because you've been to all three now. I'd say my favourite overall is probably Adepticon I think each has kind of got its own appeal I'd say the best tournament would be Nova the mm -hmm. best event would be Adepticon and the best location obviously Vegas yeah so, I couldn't agree more with all that like, I wouldn't yeah. recommend if I had to recommend one to somebody I'd say Adepticon because there's so much more going on but yeah, I think it depends like which one, what you're like. If you're going just to play 40k and all you care about is the tournament, Nova might be better. If you're going for like the gaming convention experience, Depticon's probably better. And if you're going out for like a vacation, LVO is probably the best because it's in Vegas. Yeah, each has got its own like pulling point, but they're all great events. Yeah, for sure. So going like into the event, then I got there on the Tuesday afternoon. I think Nick was the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we kind of went, had a few drinks, chatting with all the GW guys. We bumped into them, uh, had some food, and pretty chilled out Tuesday. Painted a lot of Adnick. Yeah, that was. <laughs> our team of an army had to be painted. Well, how many. It was, we, said about five, we had about 
thousand points so, maybe. It was it was four thousand points of admin because the team is four one thousand point armies, and we had Warner, one of our teammates. He had finished building it uh, three days before the convention. So in three days, between airbrushing and all nighters and the four of us. We were able to get this four thousand point atomic army painted to a to a pretty reasonable standard. Yeah, it was quite funny on the first night because we were up painting and it was about half twelve and I was dead. So I was like, right, you know what? I'm I'm going to crash. I'm going to leave you to it. And then yeah. next friend joined us, which I was out of it for this point. But I think you said you were up till half one and he was up to about half three painting. Yeah, yeah. So Matt crashed to like eleven thirty or. Yeah, 11.30, and then I crashed around 1.30, and he was up till like 3.30. And then Matt, because he was on uh, you know, Welsh time, European time, <laughs> he woke up at like 6 in the morning and started painting. And so like periodically throughout the entire night, we were all just painting. Yeah, so I think I woke up at 4, which was actually four. Oh 10. my god. No, that was about 10 UK times. Like, right, yeah. no, I need to go out to sleep a little bit. I can't get up now. And at 6 yeah. o'clock, I was wide awake. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the chair into the bathroom. Take all the paints, all the models into the bathroom, turn all the lights on so I don't wake anyone up. Turn the telly on, because there's a telly in the bathroom. <laughs> Just sat painting for an hour, an hour and a half, before the other guys woke up. It was very pleasant. <laughs> yeah. And then we had the day free to go out into Chicago. So we painted a bit. We went for breakfast. We went and bought some booze. We went back to the hotel, started drinking the booze. And we never made Chicago. Too. <laughs> <laughs> it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. I had you back around like five or something to teach a class, and it was just not going to happen. Yeah, so that that was quite a fun experience. So yeah. in America, I'm right saying every year they do that. Yeah, every year we do that. So on the Wednesday night, they taught a basics and a more advanced 40k class. It, and since I was around, mm-hmm. I kind of got roped into teaching that with Nick. Um. We must, between the two classes, probably had about 20, 25 people? Yeah, no, I think more than that. I think both the first class was full, capped out at 20. The second one was almost full, so probably like 15. So between the two, we hit like 35 people. Yeah, so it seemed like everybody had positive feedback, which was quite surprising. Yeah, one of the things that really made my experience like really touching and fulfilling was the next day during singles two of the guys that were in my classes came up to me personally and they were like i used some of the tricks you taught me last night during the class and i used them to win my game and like the stuff really works and like they could they like visibly saw improvement in their games just so dramatically yeah i had when i was walking around on the friday i think it was i bumped into a couple of the guys and they they were chatting about it saying how they were trying different things and it was quite interesting to see. It was a fun experience as well, actually, sitting and teaching the classes like that, because that's not something I've done before. I don't know if you've yeah, done that. Yeah, that was actually my first time teaching it as well, so um, kind of winging everything on the fly, but I think it worked out really well. Yeah, so that was... It's weird, because I, I wouldn't have thought 40k, you could do the things like that, but yeah. once you had the space, and we kind of got a 6x4 board in the middle of a room had a bit of training, a few models, just going through basic things. Had a fair bit of wine. Yeah, that well, I did say earlier on, before I, I was involved in this, that I was just going to get us both drunk instead, since we were going <laughs> yeah. to Chicago, and that kind of worked out. I think we drank yeah. a whole bottle of Kraken that day as well. Yeah, we drank quite a bit. <laughs> so, like, but as well as this, and everyone was kind of turning up throughout the day, and there was loads of other bits and pieces on. 
So there was loads to see and do even before it started. So we kept ourselves pretty busy. And yep. then, so Thursday was the main event for the singles. I took a shitload of turnings with me. I think I took an extra case worth that I needed. So I thought, I'll take my Flyrants and Morlocks, which I'd been playing with for about a month, building up to it. And then somebody turned around and went, oh, I've got Poxwalkers. I thought, right, okay, uh, what's better against that? I know, I'll take nine Flyrants. Yeah. Literally, Matt was like, for the entire day Wednesday, we were going back and forth, and Matt was like, should I go seven Flyrants, eight Flyrants, or nine Flyrants? And then ultimately he went with nine because I was running Fox Walkers. The correct answer to that should have been ten, but I didn't have the models <laughs> with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, who needs anything else? Just Flyrants. <laughs> uh, you get some rippers. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, so Nick had uh, a pretty standard Pox list with a few... With the Zang- plus the Zangor, that's probably the yeah. big change, wasn't it? Yeah, the, Z- the Zangors was pretty much the only difference. I decided, like, a lot of people run, like, Fabius Bile and Brims and those kind of gimmicky units to try to kill your own models during your own turn so you can make your Poxwalkers move further and stuff. I just screwed around and didn't say... I'm not... Like, I didn't screw around. I chose not to take any of that stuff. And I just took more models to Zangors. Those guys won me some games by themselves, like, single-handedly. Yeah, so we won't go into like mega detail of each game because between us, there's probably like 20, 30 but, games over the weekend. Yeah, it's a long weekend. Uh, but it was quite. The terrain was. Uh, non existent. Well, it depends. I found some of the boards. Like, it was very. I think you termed it fifth ed before we went. Yeah, it was, it was fifth edition terrain, is the best way to describe it because that's what it was designed for. And they're just, you know, it's hard to update 300 tables across a con, so they just haven't really gotten to it. Yeah, it's like some tables were really heavy, Losblot ruins, some were like big hills and forests. There was, the Necron boards were quite cool, there's a lot of like Necron themed terrain. Yeah, a lot of, lot of themed terrain too. There was a lot of cool looking terrain that just wasn't very functional for 40k, and that's always a shame because it looks awesome, but 40k has a specific set of what actually works with the gameplay. Yeah, I think all the boards I played on, I think the first three were reasonable. They had a bit of Lodge Block, a bit of area. They kind of semi-balanced. The last one I played on was quite sparse, but yeah. it kind of didn't affect the game because of the armies we had. So I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally like basically ignored the fact that terrain even was a thing. Even though like it's nice to be able to hide Poxwalkers and stuff to turn on, um, it just like it ended up not mattering and just getting in the way. Like in my semifinals and finals games, we eventually just took all the terrain off the table, just because it was just making it harder to move models and place models. Yeah, there's a lot of matchups and armies where it kind of doesn't come into it, whereas there's yeah. somewhere it's really critical. Which I didn't see. I didn't see any of those personally, but I know. I think it, I think it depends things. a lot on the type of armies you're using. Like my Poxwalker cultist list. There's 200 infantry, couldn't give two craps about the terrain, you're going to be able to see me, I'm not going to be able to hide, and I'm going to be able to charge you. Yeah, it was more the armies that have the little fragile bits that need to hide turn one. Yeah, it's, it's a much things. bigger deal for like Eldar and stuff like that. Which, I was surprised I didn't see more copies of your LVO Eldar list. Yeah, I was shocked. Cause, um, 
My, I mean, I would have felt confident taking my LPL off the list and trying to win a Duck to come with that. I just chose to do the Pox Walkers because one, it was different, and two, I think it was better for the missions. But there's that LPL other list is still insanely strong until the FAQ hits, so I would have felt totally confident taking that as well. Yeah, there seemed to be there was only one or two Pox armies. There was a silly Skyfire army with like seventy. I played that. It was eighty one. I played that in round four. Um, yeah, that that was. That could have gone south if he went first and just blew up all my poxwalkers. Because it was Dawn of War, so I couldn't like out deploy out of his range or anything. Um, but then I went first and got my stuff going, and then I just won the game. Yeah, so there was a lot of... like um, There was a few playburst crawler demon armies. There was quite a lot of Nurgle around, and quite a lot of Tyranids. But I think I saw a lot of just like random different arms as well. But with it being such a big event, you are going to hit those. Yeah, for sure. I played round one, I played against um, Nids and Guard, and he had 18, sorry, 18 Biovores, like 150 Guardsmen, and um, like, I don't know, 18, 24 Mortars, something insane. So like, he was just able to roadblock me with Spore Mines and just make it so I couldn't even move my army and just bombard me with Mortars. Um, but the problem with that was once I got through and, like, everything's infantry, so it's like once you get through even a little bit, you just turn everything to a pox locker. Yeah, I think... But there was, there was some cool armies there. Cool concepts, I should say. My game one, I got the draw, and they were using the Beast Coast, or the Best Coast pairing app, which uh, I looked and went, oh, cool, I've got no opponent. So I looked at yeah. the opponent, I was like, uh, I've got no opponent. They're like, oh, what table do you want? Oh, yeah, go to that table. So I'm like, no, no, look who I'm playing against. They're like, oh, no one. Uh oh, do you know, this guy just stood here. I'm like, okay. It's like, ah, I recognize your name. <laughs> yeah. Um, last year at Adepticon, I had a similar scenario. It was So me, Aaron A. Long, and uh, just some guy, we all got paired onto the same table. And this was around one. So we go to the judge, me, Aaron, and some guy. And we're like, hey, all three of us are on this table. And the judge just looks at us and says, me and Aaron are playing. I'm like, you going to randomize that or do anything? He's like, nope, you guys are playing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, awesome sounds fair yeah so um but no nah, that, that was a really good game it's funny because we got to play him twice over the weekend actually uh but yeah so play i ended up playing against load of nurgle demons and then my game two was against tj from the beast coast guys one of jesse's yeah. friends actually yeah and that's a tough match for you no i, I really bullied him like, oh really? Interesting. So I because I know he made top sixteen, so he oh, must no. have crushed his other games then. A uh, different TJ. Oh was... oh TJ Myers, my bad. Myers, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. He had a uh, load of drop blood angels, and I kind of went, "Cool, I'm going to deploy on my hive tyrants and set up a wall of rippers, and then deep strike some rippers." And he's there going, "Huh? Okay." I thought they were all going to deep strike. Okay. And then I got first turn and moved into corners, killed his scouts off, and then deep struck my rippers in front of my army. So I had a spores at the back, then uh-huh. a wall of flyrants, then a wall of rippers, then a wall of rippers, and I was sat on the middle, basically halfway across the board. And he's like, "Oh, I can deep strike back in my deployment zone now." And then my yeah. combat army has to run at flyrants. Oh, this isn't good. Yeah, this yeah. <laughs> That's a rough match for Blood Angels. Yeah, I think after that, my next one, which lo- I looked on paper and went, eh, and then I looked at it properly and went, oh, it was 12 Salamander 
Devastator squads with one last cannon in each and a cherub with a chapter <laughs> master and 18 mortars. So I looked at it and went, Yeah. Okay, that's five, they just got one. And then realised Salamanders get yeah, to reroll. Salamanders. I hit yeah. a wound per unit per phase. Yeah. So, and then the turn one, he had 24 last cannons and 18 d6 mortar shots coming my way. All with yeah. to hit. It was like, and all, oh, like they yeah. all hit, they all wounded, yep. I was like, oh shit. Luckily, uh, I went first, killed his scout screen, and then kind of, he deployed in lines, so I just charged the front unit and consolidated and typed like blocks of three and shot all mm-hmm. his mortars, and he was like, oh. So everything's in combat. And yeah, not in that right there. So, I have most Salamanders, though. I thought I think that is an interesting strategy. It makes things like, uh, I don't know, just those little random one-off weapons like tactical mines and stuff like that can take, like the one melting gun that you probably just don't even take because you want to save points. It makes that kind of really valuable. Yeah, it gets rid of a lot of the unreliability you've got in, like, you don't want to pay 25 points for a weapon that's going to miss a third of the time, not wound a third of the time. Yeah, exactly, but it really solves that problem. So... There's something to look at there. It's probably not ultimately that good because Space Marines in general are just lackluster because the Space Marine bodies kind of overcosted yeah. and overvalued, but it's a neat trick. I think if he took a couple of more guard squads, potentially, uh, just to screen off a bit more... Yeah, you, to keep your guys firing. Clever you can do in that army. I might actually look into that army and do it as one of my feature lists of the week. So more shameless plugging here, guys. Um, if you subscribe to my premium Facebook page, which is like a members-only private forum type thing, uh, one of the perks I give you is I do a featured list of the week where I just kind of create an army that I think is really interesting, competitive, one that I haven't really, um, you know, one that's not commonly seen that everyone knows about. Like I won't do a featured list of the week here, Seven of Lyrans. But um, there's some really interesting stuff out there if you just open your eyes and I help you kind of see things in a different perspective with that. Just one of the things I offer. So so much shame. <laughs> so much shame. I mean, that's I've become quite the salesman. <laughs> yeah. So that was um, that was game three. And just to quickly touch on game four, this was because I drawn game one and got max points in the next two games. So I was twen- table twenty or something playing for top sixteen, basically whichever one of us won, we knew would make the cut. Uh, it was four Blood Angel Captains, two, no, four San Custo Captains, two Blood Angel Captains, Mephiston, about 12, 13 mortars, and a shitload of guards, like 100 and some guardsmen. And at Plus Scouts, it was going quite well. I kind of cleared off all the scouts, started clearing the guard, and then had to kind of push up one side, because it was, and it meant the Custo Captains could get across a with seven, eight-inch charges. And then one of the Blood Angels guys was in the middle of nowhere. So he ended up using his stratagem to jump him over to the other side of the board mm-hmm. and get a charge off there with a re-roll. Made the, all the, the bike captain's charges. Meth came in and he killed something like three or four flyrants. That's like, brutal. Yeah. That's... Okay, I should have passed some more focal saves there. This is going to hurt. Yeah, just a lot of little stuff adding up right there. Like, yeah. Make two fewer charges of those seven or eight inches, which is totally reasonable. But like, pass a couple extra four ups, and all of a sudden, that's a reversal. Yeah. So I, ca- I was like, okay, I've still got five flyrants. This isn't the end of the world. I think one was wounded. It's like, if mm-hmm. I can kill off the Blood Angel captain, who's got the extra damage, 
and put one of my shooty guys into the custode guys because they're not that scary off the charge. Right. And then mm-hmm. fight and kill the other one. I'm like, I'm okay in a decent position here because I'm still in a position to control the middle objective of mine and I can get points and win that way. And yeah. I didn't kill a model that turn. Yeah, that's just and terrible. It was just like, okay, yep, that little bit of luck I needed in that match because just did, didn't come. Yeah. Which I was. It was a great end to the day though because we started off with a game with I took a load of chocolate over from the UK because you can't get Cadbury's properly in the states. So like, here you go, yeah. got some chocolate. He's like, oh sweet, thanks. Do you want some vodka? So that was how the game started. <laughs> Nice. It was a great, like, really good atmosphere, good banter. Not, not a really tense game. Which is when it's four games in one day as well. You don't need your last game to be really tough and tense. Absolutely, you want that thing to be as relaxing as possible. Yeah. So that was me Um, out of the singles, and that guy then lost to seven flyers in the next game, (laughs) which was just like, "Ah, oh well. Yeah. That's life. Um. So to go through some of my singles games, I already talked about my round one against the cool Biovor guard thing that I played against. Um, round two, I played against Gulliman and three Fire Raptors, and um, it was really interesting because he went first and killed all my Poxwalkers turn one. Um, so, you know, game plan one out of the window. But in doing that, he uh, he had to, I deployed my Poxwalkers super far into the corner, so if I knew he was going to come up and kill my Poxwalkers, he would have to put all his Fire Raptors, like, right in front of my army to have range to them. So I rapid-fired them with, like, a gazillion cultists with Prussians and Vets and all that. Uh, shot twice, that kind of stuff. Um, Abaddon was there to help reroll hits. Um, I have a lot of smite in my army. I have, like, five psychers or something, so I smited a bunch. Um, I opted not to take some of the more defensive powers I usually do, like a uh, plus-one invul. Or minus one to hit on my Zangors, and instead of those, I took some of the, the weird ghetto smite type powers that Chaos has. Uh, I took Firestorm and Infernal Gaze, and that was like a conscious decision for that match, just because I knew it's probably going to come down to me getting shot and smiting flyers. So I'm glad I did that. That really paid off. And I killed uh, a fire after a half turn one, and then I was able to kind of maintain that momentum and kill another one turn two and just win from there. So that was a really well-played game. Um, round three, I somehow managed to play knights. Um, so that was hilarious, because knights can't do anything to my army, but it was cool, because Abaddon chopped the knight in half in close combat. That was pretty awesome. Um, and um, round four, I played against the 81 Skyfires. Um, that could have been bad if he went first and blew up my army, but uh, I had the plus one, and I went first, and then I just ran him over. Uh, that was the captain of the Canadian team, actually, Canadian ETC team. So that was cool. It was the first time I ever played him. Did he take um, the psychic power that halves your movement and means you can't run as well? Uh, to be honest, I don't remember at all. I've been talking about that matchup a bit with Ramsey when I was running it, because he's got 80-odd Skyfires as well, because he's a fool. Yeah. And... It was like, if you get that spell off and can get all the Zangor in, it's going to hurt. Cause one but you spell- know what? It wasn't even, that wouldn't have even saved him at all because what really did the damage in that game was my, my 30 man Zangor blob that deep struck in. Because that came in and it warp timed up the board and was right next to a whole bunch of Zangors of his. And it charged like four units 
uh, ate the Overwatch, whatever, and then fought twice and just killed four inches anglers off the bat. So that really brought all the momentum back to my side. Yeah, if, if they if you can get rid of like half his angle or half his shooting, then that's going to be so good for you. Yeah, so that's that's one of the the key examples where the Zangors really did more than like Fabius Bile or like some Brims and more occultists. Like it's just a whole other tool that I add to my army. Yeah, and it fits the theme because it's infantry. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so then that was kind of my day one. And did, then did we go out? I think we just went up for food, didn't we? Yeah, I think we just chilled. No, we, um, we went to Steak and Shake, I think. Oh, no, that was the night before, because that was the night when Brad first turned up, I think. Because we went uh, for nachos. I ordered those nachos which were for a starter, which were... That's right, that's right. Oh, like, I forgot we were in America. Yeah. Ordered yeah, so Matt orders this appetizer nachos, and it's like the entire table couldn't finish this if they tried. No. I think between three of us, we had almost all of it. Because then yeah. we ordered the main as well, so I had like half yeah. a burger and like a third of this plate of nachos. It was just silly. It came out, I was yeah. like, what the hell is this? Uh-huh. So then I had to play the next day in the top 16. Well, all my roommates, Matt, Brad, and Warner, they all had to, got to sleep in because none of them made it. Um, well, we played the GW guys. That was quite fun. Yeah, why don't you tell me tell them about your day, and then I'll go back into my games for top 16. Yeah, so I know everyone wants to hear about that more, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so yeah, we were, because a couple of the guys on the team were playtesters as well, they knew the GW guys, uh, and then I also knew them because I've met a couple of them a few times, being semi-local to Nottingham and being at events when they've been around. Uh, and they were like, oh, do you guys mind giving us a game in the morning? Because they were playing the team event with the Studio Tyranid Army which they hadn't used till they got there <laughs> so it was like okay yeah sh- we got up played a game with those guys i then went and sat drinking with a few of the guys who had met the day before um just hanging around the hall looking at the vendors looking at the aos just seeing everything that was going on basically exploring the con rather than going out to chicago which was uh, the original plan but that never happened yeah. either mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that was pretty much my day, just a lot of drinking. <laughs> yeah, I, I was playing 40k non-stop, so uh, in top 16 I played, I don't even remember who I played round one, or I guess round five, however you want to call it, it'll come back to me, um, it wasn't Flyers, um, no. oh it was Eldar, it was this weird Eldar army, it was actually really oh, cool. Oh, the Wraith Blades. Yeah, he had two units of Wraith Blades and Serpents, he had a, a giant unit of ten Rangers with Soul Bears that he, that nearly killed Habit on turn one. He had three fire prisms. Uh, it was a pretty unique Elder Army. Um, it, he played it really well. He knew what to do and everything, and he was not killing my guys and positioning and all that. What ended up... I mean, I guess my army's just that broken where like it almost doesn't matter. Um, if you don't have enough shots to really go through it all, you're just not going to get through it all. So I kind of just obsect him off the board in that one. It was progressive scoring, too. So I just sat there, killed whatever he threw at me, and Mostly just sat and got shot and played the mission to one. Um, round two, I played against, uh, I guess this is the quarterfinals now. I played against Chris, uh, I forget his last name, but he's a really awesome guy. Flatbird, I think it is. Is it? Yeah. Um, and he had a, he had a shadow sword and five flyers, so different variation of the flyer army. Um, one that's probably really good against me because that Vengeance of Kadia shadow sword is no joke. But um, I got really creative with my 
charging, and I was able to surround one of his maguses, the Gene Stealer Cult HQ guy, and I had my Poxwalkers, like a hundred man unit of Poxwalkers, because he was just go, trying to plow through the army the hard way. Um, so I had a hundred Poxwalkers surrounding this one magus, and like two guys were slapping him because the way I positioned it, or three guys or something. So the, the magus survived over and over again, and I was just being unshootable, surrounding all my characters in my unit. That's another article I wrote on my blog, if you want to check that out. Just kind of goes through this tactic in detail. Um, and I was able to just, again, obstack the board from him. So then round three is the semifinals, and I played against Stephen Tampreen, and he had uh, 90 Plague Bearers and four Plague Bears Crawlers and stuff like that. And, you know, that match, looking at it, should be like... the most auto-win thing in the world for me because he's got infantry that has to run at me and I turn them into poxwalkers and then it's just awesome. Um, but he played it super well. Um, was hammered anvil and he used his four playburst crawlers to create a wall so, to separate my army from his. So I wasn't actually able to get into his playburst until I turned three. So he was not whittling me down but because he went first he had more board space than I did, so he was going better on progressives than I was. So he was winning legitimately until I broke through. And that was a huge problem. So he played that really well, but I ended up getting it. And then the finals, I played against Matt Root, who won the whole thing. And um, He had seven Flyerins and four Molochs, classic build. Um, the only difference is all of his Flyerins were Devourers and Rending Claws. He had no double shooty ones. It's interesting. But um, he went balls deep. He was playing to go first, even though I had the plus one. Um, so he put all his flyers on the line with no screens, and he was just going first and trying to kill my poxwalkers. So he seized, and he killed 28 out of 30. So I thought I was okay, because I still had the poxwalker plan, and his uh, Hail Mary kind of didn't work, and was just in my face. So it felt all right. Um, but then I went and I moved a poxwalker before... I moved a cultist before I used a stratagem, and I had to use a stratagem for my poxwalkers at the start of the turn. So, I, you know, I could have just lost the game right there if Matt called me on it. And Matt knew the rule. It's not like he didn't realize. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I was like, shit. And then I had the, I had the oh, shit look on my face. And then he was like, you can use a strategy. And I was like, you sure? And he was like, yeah, um, we'll just play a friendly game. And then I returned the favor later on to him with time. Um, time started to become an issue in the game. And it was turn four. The judge walked over, and he was like, um... You guys have like 10 minutes left, finish up your turns, it's going to be the end of it. And then I probably was going to win on turn four, just because of how the mission was going and stuff, but if it went on, it was going to get really bad for me. So I looked at the judge, and I was like, um, can we go to turn six since the finals? No one's really waiting on us, and it's the finals, we should play a full game. And the judge was like, yeah, I don't care, just do whatever you want, guys want, just don't take forever. So yeah. we played till turn six, and... Lo and behold, I lost by turn six because it was just getting worse and worse for me the way it was going. But I feel I'm really proud of how I played that because Matt could have just dicked me out of the game completely on turn one because I screwed up, so I didn't want to rob Matt of the opportunity. It's nice to see stuff like that coming off the back of LVO when everything that happened and kicked off there. That was quite... Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it goes to show, like at LVO, I said I wouldn't normally play like this to Tony when I dicked him back for dicking Alex, but I was like, you would do it to me, and you just did it to Alex, so I'm going to do it to you. And I think here at Adepticon, I really backed it up where Matt was super nice, and I didn't dick him when I could have just to win. So, you know, there's some truth to that, at least. 
Yeah, like it made me laugh as well when um, Sean, the Team America captain, brought everyone. Uh, what would Alex do? Wristbands. Yeah, that was another fun moment. Which are kind of spreading around the world now. I've seen as well. They're in Australia, Sweden. Yeah. He's on about sending me some over to the UK. So, unfortunately, mm-hmm. over in the UK it has a different meaning, but we won't go into that. <laughs> I won't nudge it into that direction. Yeah, let's let's stay away from that. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's that pretty the much singles. the champions. Yeah, I ended up in second place. It's so not bad at all. Um, and then that brings us to teams. If you want to start covering that, Matt. So teams was it's a little bit different to your normal because you have your five get five rounds. You're in doubles in every round. Day one, you could only be with each person on your team once. And they, you had to be with each person once. Yeah, they were preset as well by the event, yeah. so they paired you up each round. And then day two, you could pick and pair however you wanted. And I don't know how many points there were, but it was something like 120 points for theme, 120 points for painting, something like that. Yeah, it's a very theme and paint soft score type event. More about the hobby than so much playing like a normal ATC style tournament. Yeah, so you saw teams that in the singles were bringing. Like me and Nick, Nine Flyrants and Poxwalker Spam. We had pure Admech in the team event because why not? Yeah, it's like it's a hobby event, so you kind of want to. Um, I guess you want to get in the spirit of it. It's a lot more enjoyable. Like some teams, some teams did bring a Flyrant esque team, and they won a lot of their games. But honestly, they didn't even really have a shot at winning because uh, the theme score and the paint scores were so high, um, and your sports score was actually a real score in this also. So all that factors in. And because everyone's kind of on the same page with it, you're, you're not really giving yourself a shot to win by just crushing in battle. Yeah, so. um, and then also your games aren't going to be as enjoyable. You kind of playing everyone on like baby mode 40k is actually really cool once in a while. Yeah, we kind of went into it thinking if we win three, four games, but then we, we did a like really cool the converted dark mechanicum army. And I wish we'd have more time to paint it up properly. But. Yeah, I think that would have really elevated us. Um, yeah, I think we, we did okay. We finished like twenty something. Twenty first, twenty second, something like that. Yeah, and it was one hundred thirty teams. Um, we ended up going three and two. Was it three one a, and one? Because we got a draw um, in the middle, didn't we? Yeah, maybe three one and one, which is pretty much where we wanted to finish up. We had a few rocky games in the beginning of the tournament, but it all ended up working out by the end. And then our our theme score was all right. It was like ninety out of one twenty. And our paint score held us back. It was like 70 out of 120. Because we spent so much time, I should say Warner spent so much time making these awesome conversions. Um, we ran out of time to paint it well, so it was painted all right. But it was just, it could have been a much more beautiful army than it was. Oh, we've got to shout out Brad as well, who made the four foot tall Oh, yeah, display that display board. board. <laughs> like, all these pictures are up on the podcast page as well. And we'll post a couple with this episode, just so you can see them if you didn't see them at the time. But... It was really like interesting playing the games as well. Like first game, all the missions were quite odd as well. The yeah, it's very. The missions are kind of designed to not just be competitive. This is a tournament missions. They're just kind of designed to reward you for taking weird stuff and encourage you to just you know be strange about things yeah. and more thematic about that. Um, a lot of progressive scoring. The first mission made us split our armies into two halves and put them in the opposite corners. Um, it was very strange stuff, but it was a lot of fun. One of my, I think it's my most fun event of the year. Yeah, I've got to say, I loved it. Like 
it was I think we made mistakes when we made our army lists for the event. Yeah, there's a lot of takeaways that I learned that we can bring with us to next year's teams, yeah. which Matt you have to come to. I'm looking into it. <laughs> uh, but because none of us had played Admech when we wrote the lists and we had yeah. to write the list early to buy and convert the models and we kind of didn't realise well, Nick had a combat army the other three had more shooty armies well, the other two had shooty armies I had the other this... units that we hadn't taken to try and mix it up a bit yeah, yeah we, we gave Matt like the one of everything's type of army just to make our, our appearance theme and our theme better just because uh you know, it looks more like a battle force and looks better on a display board if you take a little bit of everything. And um, that was a mistake. Yeah. So the the fundamental issue with their armies is I took the combat army and only had two shooting armies and then one army that didn't do anything. So the when we paired it, whatever army the army and the army that didn't do anything, that combo had no way to kind of get itself out of holes. Like if someone got to you and touched your stuff to keep you from shooting, you're just you're not shooting anymore. And that was like a fundamental plan failure. Yeah, so it kind of worked out game one because we played uh, two guard armies. So it was like yeah, double guard, just, double guard. we just shot them better, yeah. And that was kind of, I think we had the shooty, shooty, and it came on with like their Stormlord because the captains had to play captains. Mm-hmm. And it came on one flank because it was Talar. And we just, I rolled the first uh, June Crawler and did like one shot, hit with, after a re-roll or something daft, didn't wound because I was rolling like crap. And Werner just went, okay, I'll roll the next one. Take 17 wounds off that guy. Well, I was like, what yeah. the hell? Yeah, that was, a, that was a theme for the rest of the tournament. Matt just wasn't allowed to roll dice. Yeah, like game <laughs> two, we were playing against all Nurgle on progressive scoring. Was it progressive? It was progressive, no, that, that game. That was no, quarters. it was it was quarters, yeah. We got lucky with that one. Yeah, so we were looking at it going, uh, this is going to be really rough because it's a lot of Nurgle guys on quarters. And I started rolling the first set of attacks and just did like, 30 odd attacks in combat and with like one wound on threes and threes I was just like well okay I'm just going to roll dice Nick you roll my next unit and took off a whole unit of playbearers or something yeah (laughs) and it's not like like we're using the same pile of dice here Matt's just cursed (laughs) yeah it was it was funny because between us we had average dice yeah just the way it worked out was hilarious everyone I touched was the one everyone I touched was a six it's like oh we need a battle shock I'll roll that one there we go that's the brown magic right there Uh, we were just laughing with that one and then I don't know the the team tournament was just a really fun experience in general though so if you guys are ever on this side of America for Adepticon uh, that's it's not worth going to Adepticon just to check out the convention or just to play in singles. It's worth it because of the team tournament. Like that's really where you get your value. Yeah, that's what's always put me in off. In my opinion at least. That's put me off it in the past thinking you're gonna go all that way, potentially play one day forty K, unless you've got a team to do that weekend with. It's kind of right. not worth the trip. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely go back, like you're saying, I wanna go back next year. If I can find myself a new job somewhere, I will be. Otherwise, probably the year after but mm. I want it. it was so much fun I want to come back um, yeah we were up every night till two drinking up at seven every morning for games oh uh, yeah you're just oh. you're destroying your body it's awful but it's just so worth it you've got the the whole buzz of the place though kind of gives you the energy to get through things so you're not like 
crashing. You don't you don't want to get up in the morning. Yeah, there's just so much energy. You just you feel like it's okay that you're just destroying yourself. You don't even notice. Yeah. Until you're on the plane ride home, and then you're just dying. Oh, sitting in the airport waiting for the plane for me was oh my! I was like, my I'm plane crashing. was delayed for three hours. I was literally dead in the airport. Oh, that that sounds really bad. Literally, <laughs> yeah. I got on the plane at half ten Sunday night, sat down, they came past with some like food at like eleven. I'm like, why are you feeding people a, a full meal this time of day? Just give me the water <laughs> bottle because it, it had a screw lid. Put it yeah. in the seat in front of me. Passed out for six hours, and woke up in London at midday. Like, oh, what the yeah. hell has happened? Where am I? What time is this? It was a bit crazy, but the event as a whole, I would thoroughly recommend. Yeah, like, same here. Even if uh-huh. you don't, I, I don't think it's realistic for a UK team to come over and try and compete to win, because looking at like the display boards and the teams that were getting the max points, they were the size of a person. Yeah, like like Alan had to rent an entire Alan's team won. Alan the Camp Pets, uh, and he had to rent a U-Haul, the truck for uh, for his Justice's display board to get there. Um, and Alan lives in Chicago, and Adepticon's in Chicago. Like to transport his stuff, half an hour he rented a truck, and that's kind of the level of effort that goes into like these guys' display boards when they're really serious about it. Yeah, so it was amazing to see like one of them had uh, Top Gawk, which was Orc themed Top Gear with racing cars on the display board that you could actually go up and play with. Uh, so I don't think a team travelling over can really compete for that unless they put too much extra effort and get the extra suitcases. And I think that's probably a bit too much. But you could yeah. go have but a But you know what? It's, not, it's one of those only tournaments in the world where it's really not about winning. It's actually... like I'm one of those competitive people you'll ever meet as far as 40k goes. And it's a tournament I can go... I can lose half my games and I'm still having a blast. Like it's just awesomely fun. Yeah, it's like our, our last game we played guys who their lists were not the best. It was like a battle force, marine army, and some sisters of battle. And me and Nick, we just couldn't stop laughing at the start of the game. Not at anything yeah. particular, but we kind of just got the giggles, <laughs> yeah, just, just chatting, yeah. just messing about. And we were deploying thing. We played. 40k we just, the way 40k yeah. should be played like oh, yeah like the way they made it up in their basement in like 1970 yeah. whoever started 40k like that's the 40k we played so the guns go on top of the building they have to clamp the ladders they can't just walk through the wall <laughs> we, we played it like that for a game yeah at that point I mean, we were just, never gonna at win that, yeah we weren't in the running for anything so like why take it seriously and like that was okay it was just a different kind of having fun yeah i mean it's guys, not like how i enjoyed 40k in general but the atmosphere really condones itself to it, so you just kind of get into it. Yeah, and the guys we were playing as well, you could tell by their armies and chatting briefly before the game, they were like, you could tell they were a similar mindset. So there's no point, I mean, Nick going super competitive. Um, yeah. Because the game wouldn't be fun for anybody. Yeah, it would just be over in a turn and no one would have had fun and it would have just been miserable. Yeah. As it happened, it was over in two, but <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was just one of those games where you could just do things that you wouldn't normally and just have a laugh yeah it was like the whole atmosphere of the event as well was like that so I played uh, the guy played game one in the singles and playing the same guy in the teams and even though we were playing slightly different armies it was a different game again because he was a great guy to play but no issues playing the guy he was awesome but in the singles, you're a little bit more focused, a little bit more 
tactical, a little bit more serious, kind of. And in the teams, it was still competitive because of the four people we had around the table, but it was competitive in a fun, laid-back way, rather than none of us were taking it too seriously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it was just really, like, overall, amazing time. Definitely, Yeah. I think we just repeated ourselves like a hundred times here, but it's just great. Yeah. Like I said, even if you don't make the Friday, there's still. I didn't yeah. miss going into. Like Chicago. Matt didn't make the Friday, and he still was his favorite event. He signed. Yeah, I didn't miss not going to Chicago because there's still so much to do, so many people to catch up with and meet and drink with, and we ended up going out to the cinema, which that was weird because I go into the cinema and get your popcorn, snacks, whatever. I'm sitting, going and it's like, oh, wait, every single seat is a lever recliner. <laughs> what the hell? You you don't see that over here. Not in, yeah, maybe that's, some that's, of the, Americans are fat and lazy. Some independent ones, you might get that. But this was like a, a big chain one with like 20-odd screens. I was like, is this like every screen? And the screen was that big. We were sat near the front, but when the subtitles came on, I had to physically move my head to read them. Hmm. I was just like, what the hell? This is silly. And the movie watch was silly, so we all had a good laugh at that. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up Dexcon. Um, yeah, pretty much. I think we're going to try and get some... We'll probably have a little bit of Six Nations post-coverage, because that's happening as we record. And also going to try and do the Tower book and the Necron book, which have been out recently. Oh, and the FAQs. We'll definitely cover that. Oh, yeah. Definitely cover that. That's a whole topic on tone. Yeah. Um, well, I... So let me get one last shameless plug in here. There's no then... shame at all. There's no shame. <laughs> um, so, guys, if you're, interesting in, if you're interested at all in learning how to improve your 40k game, whether you're just like a, a guy who plays with his friends in his basement, or if you're a guy who is interested in going to tournaments and doesn't really know how, or if you're a guy who goes to tournaments and just wants to do better at them, uh, I can cover all of that on my website. Check it out. It's thebrownmagic.com, one word, .com. Um, it's got everything you need to do there. And then there's also a Facebook page, also called The Brown Magic. That's free. Just like it, subscribe to it, whatever you want to do. Check it out. I have two articles a week where I post up like 40k theory or 40k tactics and stuff like that. I do some live streaming, um, do some Q&A sessions where I just do Facebook Live at you guys. Uh, all that and a lot more and a lot more to come. It's still very much in that growth period. So just check it out. And um, looking forward to hearing from you from that. Thanks, Pat. So yeah, I'm sure we'll have Nick on again in the future uh, with a little bit less plug-in potentially. <laughs> yeah, maybe a tad less. <laughs> but, uh, no, thanks very much for coming on, Nick. Uh, hopefully, this gets you a few more subscribers, a little bit more listeners to us. Yeah. As a result, yep. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, yeah. And I'll speak to everybody soon. Cool. Bye, guys.